Welcome to the Fresh Word Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Hello, my friends. God bless you. I am so glad we have this time together around the Word of God. There's still so much going on around us. We need to be encouraged. We need to hear the same message. We need to understand what God's doing and have a corporate word that will charge and encourage our hearts. And I'm happy to have this time together with you. We're going to talk for just a few minutes on something. I think this is going to be really practical and it's going to be impactful for you because we're hearing a lot today about not being afraid, about not fearing. There's so many people that are afraid. I got a text just today from somebody that said people are afraid that their Social Security check's going to stop coming in, that the government's going to shut down, that they're going to get the virus and die. And so many people are dealing with fear. But here's what you're hearing a lot of. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. We're hearing it from our governmental leaders. We're hearing it from our pastors. So a lot of people are telling us not to be afraid, but it just dawned on me some people might not know how not to be afraid. So I want to talk to you about six ways to avoid fear or six ways to overcome fear. Our fear is trying to grip your heart. If fear is, is working on you, if fear is knocking on your door, if it's crawling up in your soul and you find yourself more in fear than faith, I want to give you six practical ways that you and I can overcome fear. Are you ready for this? Number one, if we're going to overcome fear, and, and let's think about it. None of us want to walk in fear. So if we find fear coming or find fear rising or if we want to overcome it, how do we do it? Number one, think about God because he ain't scared. Oh, yes, I, I didn't mince words about that. One of the ways we can overcome fear is by taking a minute, pausing, and thinking about God, because he is not scared. Psalm 90, there's a verse that I, I adore. It's written by Moses in Psalm 90, and here's what it says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Stop right there. It's talking about how God is eternal, how he spans every generation, how everything that ever has happened God saw it. And everything that ever will happen, God saw it. God, you've been our dwelling place. You've been the one we rested in all generations. And before the mountains were ever brought forth, or ever you had formed the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Think about that. From the beginning of time to the end of time, really outside of time, you are God. One of the things we can do to eliminate fear is take a minute and think about God. Think about how God's feeling right now. Think about what's on God's mind right now. If you're a child of God and you're a believer, you're one with him. You're connected with him. He lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit. He is your father. You're his child. You guys are walking together. He has promises. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. So let's think about what he's thinking about before we get afraid. I was on a tour not too long ago in Israel, and we went to some places I had no idea where we were. Some of the places we went looked a little, you know, a little different, interesting, looked a little scary. But you know what I did? I trusted in the tour guide because he's been there before. He knew what it was about, and I trusted in him. So when he got nervous, that's when I would have ended up getting nervous. You know what we need to do? Take a minute, and I'm real serious about this. Think about God. Think about what's on his mind. Think about how he handles difficulty, how he handles calamity. Psalm 46, verse 10 uh, actually, we're going to read 1 through 3 and then go down to verse 10. Verse number 1 of Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength. I'm going to say that again. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters be troubled, and the mountains shake with a great swelling. Selah. 
Then he says this in verse number 10. Be still, verse 10, and know that I am God. So if the mountains are being removed, if the earth is shaken, if so many cataclysmic things are happening, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Here's what God's saying. Mountains could be shaken. Mountains could be being removed. The earth could be moved. Whatever is going on, understand this. Be still. Cease striving. Don't get an anxiety and know that I am God. One of the verses that really give me great joy is Psalm 2. And in Psalm 2, here's what's happening. It's talking about when Jesus is on his throne on the earth and the Messiah reigning on the throne and the nations of the earth gather against him to try to kick him off his throne. I mean, it's really a bad day. It's really a bad day when the majority of the nations of the earth, the largest army ever, comes against Jesus to try to kick him off his throne. And here's what it says. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed saying, here's what they say in verse number three. Against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces, cast away their cords from us, but he who sits in the heavens shall be nervous and he'll say, I don't know what to do. And he'll start asking Gabriel, what do we do? And they'll start, no, that's not what it says. When the nations of the earth, the, the biggest military might of the world comes against the king of glory to try to deal with him, here's what happens. He that sits in the heavens will have a belly laugh. You got fear working on you? Let's take a minute and just think about God because he's driving He's flying, he's in control, and if he's not nervous, we have no need to be nervous. Years ago, when you fly on an airplane, and I had a friend who had this experience, he was on an airplane, and boy, they hit some turbulence. They were in a couple of storms, a couple of clouds, it was convective, and they were just bouncing all around, and people started getting nervous, they were gripping the chairs with white knuckles, and it was a pretty, pretty negative experience. And all of a sudden, a flight attendant got up, and she went to the cabin door and opened it, and latched it so people can see the pilots. And the pilots were sitting there relaxed. They were talking to one another. They were laughing. They were relaxed. And when the people saw that the pilots were relaxed, you know what they did? They relaxed. I got news for you, my friend. Your pilot, not your co-pilot, because God is not going to be your co-pilot, your pilot, he's relaxed. In the midst of all this, he knew corona was coming before it came. In fact, he spoke to prophets a couple of years ago and said, get ready, there are viruses that are coming that uh, there's no known cure to, begin praying about it now. He told us beforehand it was coming, and here it is, and he's in control, and trust me, he already has the way out. I guarantee you, with the God I know, he's speaking to somebody right now, showing them formulas, helping us get over this. When you are in a place where fear is trying to grip you, take a minute and look at your tour guide. Look at God. Think about him. If you and I went to heaven right now, one thing you'll see is stability. You would see an atmosphere of calm. And you'll see power and grace and all that, but God is not nervous. I have a good friend of mine who's a, a bishop, and I love the way he speaks sometimes. He has that oratory and that flowery way of speaking. And he said to me one time, he said, Reverend, he said, I will go broke only three days after heaven does. <laughs> what was he saying? He's saying, I may not have money in my pocket, but if heaven still has money, I know I'll be all right because I can get money. In other words, when heaven goes broke, we're in trouble. When God is nervous, we're in trouble. Look at God right now, and I think if you look at him, you'll see that God is not nervous, that God himself is in control. So let me give you a second thing. If fear's trying to rise up on you, what's the second thing you do? You know what you do? Stay thankful. Stay thankful. 
Continue to rejoice and be glad in what God's doing. Begin to do what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything, give thanks. Now listen to me, not just in some things, not just in a few things, but in everything, give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I love that verse so very much. In everything, give thanks. So God didn't say for everything, give thanks, but he said in the midst of everything that happens in your life, give God thanks. You know, we can only have one thought in our conscious mind at a time, only one. God made us like that, I believe, because when, when fear and when uncertainty is in our conscious mind, we can get it out with something else. We can replace it with something else. And one of the things we could do is just begin to thank God and praise God and honor God and rejoice in God and love him and lift our voice and start thinking about the good things he's done for us. So literally, when you, fear, when you feel fear coming, don't just try to stop the fear. Don't tighten yourself up and cause more negative emotions and try to deal with a negative emotion called fear. Turn it into positive. Start thanking God. God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that things are going to be all right. I thank you that this is working and that's working and this is good. I thank you for this and that. And just genuinely be grateful. I promise you, you'll find fear dissipating. Fear need not rule your life. Be thankful. The third thing I want to tell you is remember what you are doing to yourself when you let fear grip you. Remember what you're doing to yourself when you let fear grip you. Fear is not your friend. Fear is not my friend. Man, it has such negative consequences to our body. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says this, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. You don't want to keep fear in your life because it does such damage to your body. You know what happens? Fear shuts down faith. Number two, when you get a fear response in your body, it releases cortisol and adrenaline and epinephrine and norepinephrine. That causes your blood pressure to increase, your blood sugar to go up, your white blood cells to go up, your heart and lungs begin to work harder. It reduces activity in the stomach so you get those butterflies and, and your, your mouth gets dry, your pupils dilate, your hearing reduces, your tunnel vision gets there. You get focused on one thing and that's the thing you're afraid of. And that's why right now so many people are focused on just one thing. You're not focused on what we ought to be focused on, which is God. God and what he's doing and the fact that things are going to be okay and the love that's coming at us through our neighbors. Fear is not your friend. And we have to realize fear hurts me more than it helps me. Now, the Bible gave us a fear response for emergency, but you're not supposed to live in it. If we see a lion or a tiger or a dog running after us, the body has given us an amazing uh, uh, automated fear response that quickly gets our body into gear. But man, we can't live in that kind of stress because fear is doing us more harm than good. Treat it like anthrax. Get it away from you. Walk in faith and trust that God is in control and things are going to be okay. The fourth thing that you can do when fear tries to come on you is serve somebody else who's scared. Find somebody else who's afraid and serve them. You say, well, I'm scared too. How am I going to help them? Well, there's a verse that says, iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So think about that. Both pieces of iron are dull. The iron comes together and they sharpen each other. So you've got fear, she's got fear, or you've got fear and he's got fear. When you come together, you can sharpen each other's fear. So if you find fear rising, literally, find somebody else who's afraid and start talking to them. Say, you know what? I believe it's going to be all right. Oh, no, don't, don't fear. Remember, God did it for you last time. And when you begin to get the fear off somebody else, then you'll find your fear leaving. That is a great way to do it. Get out of yourself and begin looking at other people and cause that fear to rise, uh, to, I'm sorry, to leave their life and leave their heart because God does not want us embracing fear. Number five. The fifth thing we could do when fear begins to grip us 
is don't focus on tomorrow. Focus on now. Focus on today. This is clearly taught to us in scriptures that we're not to stress about tomorrow. We're not to worry about tomorrow. We should only worry or think about, not even worry about, but think about what we have right before us. Matthew chapter 6 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, those that don't know God, that's what that word means. The Gentiles, it's not just talking about Jew-Gentile. It means those that don't know God, seek after. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? All these things shall be added unto you, the word of God says. Then it says this, do not worry about tomorrow. You know, it comes from anxiety about tomorrow. Not right now. It comes from anxiety about tomorrow. What am I going to do tomorrow? What's going to happen? I'm about to eat my last meal. Well, you're about to eat your last meal. You have a meal. So focus on that meal. George Mueller, who was a great missionary, who had an orphanage, uh, just, just, just a great man of faith. And he would oftentimes have real need, but he would always trust God. He taught himself not to walk in fear, but to trust God. And I remember one such day, he had 50, 60 kids in the orphanage, and they were running out of food. They were literally down to their last meal. They ate that meal, and at dinner time, everybody was hungry. And they said, what are we going to do? And George said, set the table. They looked at him like, what? We have no food. He said, set the table. And they set the table. All the kids sat down to empty plates. Think about it. No bowl of bread, no bowl of macaroni and cheese, nothing. Empty table with glasses of water. And as they sat down as they normally did, he said, let's pray and bless the food. Oh, man, what, what do you mean food? This guy's crazy. There's no food, but they're going to obey. So they bowed their head. They started praying, Father, we thank you for this food we're about to receive. And they prayed grace over food they didn't have. And right near the end of the prayer, this is truly documented, it really happened, the doorbell rang. When a doorbell rang, they opened it, and it was a guy who said, you know what, I've just been disturbed and troubled, and I just really felt like I wanted to do something to help you guys. So me and my wife went out shopping, and here we have a bunch of food we're bringing to you. And literally, they brought in a couple of boxes of food, and that night they ate Here's what George Mueller understood. It doesn't make sense worrying about tomorrow because you can't fix tomorrow today. You really can't. Now, that's not saying that you don't think about tomorrow. It's saying you don't worry about tomorrow. You don't stress over tomorrow. You don't stress over what's going to happen tomorrow, what will happen if. You know why? Because tomorrow there are going to be resources you have to work with you can't see right now. Something may happen tomorrow, but something else may happen tomorrow. Let's just say you, you were laid off tomorrow, but also tomorrow, a phone call might come in of somebody saying, hey, we have a position. Are you open to fill this position? You don't know that. And because you don't know it, there's no need of worrying. You know, today, the store is out of water and out of bread and out of toilet paper and out of milk. But tomorrow, a new shipment might come in. So don't worry about tomorrow. Be wise, but don't stress about tomorrow. And we're, we're warned to do that in the Word of God. So when you find fear rising, understand that you're thinking you're worrying too far in the future. You could think about it. You could think about by the time I'm this age, I might want to retire or I want my kids to be able to go to college here, so I want to put some money away. Yeah, you think about tomorrow, but you do not worry about the things you can't control. And since you can't reach into tomorrow, you don't worry about it. We only worry about today. 
Today we have enough food. Today we have enough gas. Today I have a job. Today I'm healthy. Today I love my wife. Today I love my husband. Today things are going to be okay. We're not going to stress over tomorrow. We're going to leave tomorrow in the hands of the one who holds tomorrow. Can I get an amen there? Keep fear off of you. Take it one day at a time. Last thing I'm going to share with you about how we handle fear when it tries to come on you is this. Take a minute and rehearse and ask yourself this. What is the worst thing that can happen? There's a scenario you can go through and you could ask yourself this question. You know what? What's the worst thing that could ever happen? What is, what is the worst thing that could ever happen? And when you kind of walk through that, say, what's the worst thing that could ever happen? And boil it down to its common denominator. You'll find out whatever that worst thing that could ever happen, normally it's probably going to be all right. You know, Paul the Apostle in the Bible certainly walked in that. I remember in Philippians, he's in prison, and he begins to write and say, you know what? Because I'm in prison, more people are preaching the gospel. Some have wrong motives, some have right motives, but I rejoice because the gospel is being preached. So here's something bad happening to him, and he said, you know what? Something good is coming out of that thing that's bad. So his enemies would say, oh, man, we're going to release you from prison. Well, if they release him from prison, he'll say, great, I'll just preach the gospel on my own. They say, well, we're going to kill you. Well, that's fine. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, he calculated things to such a degree when he asked himself, what's the worst thing that could happen? And the worst thing that could happen was always weaker than God's strength. And because of that, Paul continued to walk in joy. In fact, the epistle that he wrote, the letter he wrote, that had the greatest degree of, of probably suffering in it, uh, you know, he's, he's almost about to be killed. Uh, he's about to be martyred for his faith. And He's at the end of his life. He's kind of alone and not much is going on. And in that letter of Philippians, he talks about joy all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's the epistle where more joy is released because Paul understood the worst thing that could happen is probably not that bad. And you and I need to reason that way. When fear tries to come, we say, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, what's the, and you'll usually find out whatever that worst thing is, it's something that God can certainly take care of. So let's go over these one more time. How do we deal with fear? Number one, think about God because he is not scared. God is in control and allow the knowledge of God and the fact that he's for you overcome that fear in your life. Number two, stay thankful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Lift up your hands, O ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Get, let, let yourself have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Allow yourself to praise off that fear. Literally get it off of you. But number three, remember what you are doing to yourself when you have fear. You're hurting yourself. You're killing yourself. Get that fear off of you. And number four, serve somebody else who is scared in the midst of fear. Serve somebody who's dealing with some issues. And number five, when fear comes on you, focus on now, not tomorrow. Focus on now, not tomorrow. And number six, when fear comes on you, rehearse the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that could happen? You say, you know what? I don't have time for that. You give fear the hand. Say, fear, here's the hand. Talk to the hand, because I'm not dealing with you today. Some of you don't know what that is. That's you. No, you can't. No fear. No, 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 no fear. You cannot come in here. I'm not dealing with you today. I'm walking in faith. You're not going to grip my heart. In the midst of this, you hear a lot of people saying, don't be afraid. Here's some tips for you on ways you can get fear off your life. I pray that stress and anxiety and fear will leave your life. You'll practice these tips, and you'll walk in faith, You'll walk in glory, you'll walk in victory, because I say again, by the grace of God, 
it's going to be all right. God bless you. Love you so much. We're praying for you. We're believing the very best for you. Stand by for a couple of announcements. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit anointedchurch.org. To support this ministry and help us continue to reach people all around the world, you can text Fresh Anointing to 77977.